Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I am what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, Episode 8. Coming at you here uh, Sunday, May 16th, on a little bit of a drizzly uh, cold afternoon at 3.15. Me and Alex just currently, you know, finished watching some of the uh, early morning games. And now, of course, you know, we're in the middle of watching some of the afternoon games before we get to the uh, game later tonight, which is between the San Diego Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. So far, how's how's your day going so far, Alex? Not too bad. Like you said, kind of a lazy Sunday, but doing some podcast prep. We actually got a nice little setup going, Travis. We have a nice, we have some prof- professional mic stands in here for the first time. That's we got right. some new filters on our mics. Hopefully, you guys can notice some bit of the quality upgrades. So it might sound a little bit better. Uh, Hope from, so. From here on, moving out because of all the setup we got now. So yeah, we're trying to keep getting better for you guys every week. So <laughs> yep, yep, and uh, and uh, coming at for this week, uh, pretty exciting and busy week in uh, in baseball. I know we have some, uh, you know, some pretty kind of shocking more news as we as we go into the our Pujols saga this season and you know what's going on in his world so we'll talk a little bit about that we'll talk a little bit about how you know the Yankees are starting to um you know click and uh everyone's you know everyone's doing their job right now with the Yanks and uh also want to talk about some upcoming uh trade deadline possibilities um you know targets uh players and you know where we think they could be going but uh We'll kick it over with you, Alex, and start off with, uh, you know, the Yankees and right now how they are, you know, just showing dominance as we, you know, go into late May. Yeah, obviously the Yankees were a preseason pick to win the AL, uh, the entire American League, the pennant uh, for a lot of people. Kind of the clear favorite, you would uh, almost think. You look at, you know, the performance the last couple years, uh, you always know what you're going to get from Garrett Cole judge kind of a perennial mvp guy when he's healthy and this year we all thought no different but their start was ice cold it was not good a lot of cause for concern in the first the first uh, you know few weeks of their season not really what you'd expect and then recently they really have kind of turned on the jets um they went from like a 500 team to a you know i mean they're still not like dominating their division by any means it's still the red sox uh and i believe you know up by you know quite a few games. Red Sox and then Toronto is right behind them. I think a game and a half back, and then Yankees right. are right on Toronto. So so yeah, by no means are the Yankees like taking over the division, but just the way they're looking as of late, uh, obviously super impressive. Uh, I guess I want to highlight Garrett Cole first. Uh, Cole currently with a one point three seven ERA, which is just you know, I guess almost the expectation for him because he's just that guy. He's you know. I think universally agreed upon as the second best pitcher in baseball behind Jacob DeGrom. And honestly, with DeGrom being injured right now, uh, it's it's sort of, you know, uh, Cole is in the spot for taking that throw. And essentially, if DeGrom were to falter here, um, it is no question about that. Uh, Cole so far, the uh, last couple of weeks, has put together some really great strikeout performances, some really impressive, uh, uh, I guess, kind of control, kind of limiting walks. Right now, he's leading the MLB in strikeouts per walk. He's at 26 strikeouts for every walk he's given up. That's just a crazy ratio. We're currently looking at 78 strikeouts for him, which is 78 this early in the year. 
Like, you know, who knows where he's going to end up on pace for. He's only given up three walks. So that's just a crazy sort of, you know, mind-bending spot that he's at. Travis, what do you think about the Yankees right now? Yeah, and, and going back on Garrett Cole, you know, looking at kind of the, you know, teams he's actually been facing so far in uh, the month of May. He faced the two teams that represented the ALCS last year, the Astros, uh, May 6th, and then May 12th, just a couple of days ago, uh, through against uh, Tampa Bay Rays. And both right. games, uh, just perfection almost. I mean, seven innings against the Houston Astros, eight innings against the Rays. Um, both those starts combined, only two earned runs. So, right. I mean, against those offenses that are very, very good in the AL, um, just the norm of what we're seeing with Garrett Cole right now, he, like you said, he is obviously the number two uh, best pitcher in the game right now. Him and DeGrom oh. are, are pretty far away from, I, I would say, the rest of the pack. Yeah, I, I'll add a couple of things to, I guess, his recent resume. I'm, I'm going to rewind back to uh, April 18th. It was a uh, Yankees versus Rays game. Uh, Cole got the start. He went 6.1 innings, 10 strikeouts, no walks. 10 strikeouts, no walks. Super good. Next outing, 11 strikeouts, no walks. That was against Cleveland at Cleveland for seven innings. The next outing, we're looking at April 30th now uh, against Detroit. That's six innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, no walks. The following outing is against Houston. Only four Ks uh, and uh, zero walks allowed still. Uh, that's set for seven innings. And then just his last outing was an eight-inning outing for 12 strikeouts, zero walks. So his last five starts, Travis, we're looking at zero walks. And those strikeout numbers, like I said, 10, 11, 12, 4, and then 12 again. He's just being so dominant. And in, in that stretch, he went from a one8 Two ERA down a 1.37 ERA. Currently, his lowest uh, ERA after any start for the season. So he's only going be- getting better and better every start. It seems so. Uh, so much to like about what he's doing right now. Uh, he's not a you know they're not afraid to use him deep in games. He's thrown up to 111 pitches in one outing. Has reached over the 100 mark uh, three different times so far. So Cole is just being Cole. You know. Yankee fans have a lot to you know be excited about totally, that. Totally, uh, and 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 Cole is their one Goliath, and their next Goliath is Aaron Judge. Those are the two guys that you know yeah. Yankee fans. If we get these two guys clicking and performing the way we know how to them to perform, we you know we see ourselves winning the division. We see ourselves making a very deep run into the postseason. So another guy I want to highlight too is Aaron Judge because I think I saw a stat a couple days ago, or if it was yesterday. Um, right now, currently is tied for the major league lead in home runs. He's at 12. So it's kind of had a really good late push the last couple weeks when it comes to power numbers, when it comes to on base, um, just overall hitting. Uh, we know how his feeling is going to be. We know how his arm is going to be. You know, yeah. he is a he's in the top 5% when it comes to fielding and his arm strength. So um, it's always going to be there. But the hitting was always one thing that was, well, you're going to get uh, you know, you're going to get the Aaron Judge of 2017, where he was second MVP, first in Rookie of the Year, Silver Slugger. Or are you going to get one of those Aaron Judge years where he's batting, you know, like 2020, was, of course, injured for part of the year, but, you know, 257 average and a below uh, a 900, um, uh, sorry, below a 900 OPS on the season. So, Which is still good, but not, yeah. not, not the superstar that we were used the to from 2017. Of course, right. of yeah. course, yeah. So nice to at least see him kind of bouncing back. He is, of course, one huge key X factor in the Yankees success. Oh yeah. And so seeing him bounce back, it's definitely a scary sight probably for the rest of the AL East. Also the AL because 
as you see the Yankees starting to click. We talked about it last week. Giancarlo starting to click as well. Right. So we'll have to ke- you know keep an eye on that and just see you know more as the Yankees progress. But anything else you want to add on uh, on Aaron Judge? Uh, I'm just looking at his, his baseball reference page right now. I actually do see. Uh, on this season, he's at a 176 OPS plus, and his his famous you know rookie of the year uh, second in MVP voting 2017 that he had he had a 171 OPS plus. So his OPS plus is actually higher this year. So even though his OPS is lower, it's sort of kind of saying the offense in the MLB is way down this year because of this dead ball that we're kind of experiencing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So many great pitching performances, a lot of kind of hitting slumps. So it's kind of saying that even though his OPS is at a 975. That's like more above average than you know, his 2017 was. So he's pretty much in, in prime form right now uh, and looks like he could only get better. We'll see how his season progresses. But the Yankees uh, have a lot to you know be excited about uh, looking you know towards a divisional push and you know very good chance for the pennant if they can uh, keep it up. So Definitely, definitely. And moving forward to some teams that probably don't like the future and don't, like, don't have some exciting feelings right now. And these are the teams that we view as, um, you know, probably going to be finishing, you know, bottom of the division, bottom of the league, probably bottom also maybe of the of the entire MLB. But we want to highlight some players as we see as, you know, trade deadline, um, upcoming trade deadline, you know, right. key acquisitions for contenders. And so I'll start with one guy, and that is kind of, um, I would say, the big elephant in the room, and that's Trevor Story. Uh, right now, Rockies, about two weeks ago, just, um, just got a new general manager. I think it's someone who's in their scouting department. But anyways, they parted ways with their with their you know current general manager, and so uh, received a new one. And right now, the big question with him was, you know, what are you going to do about Trevor Story because his contract ends um, last day of the season, uh, late September. And so, what are you going to do about Trevor Story's contract? What are you going to think about, you know, moving him, or are you going to play him out? Do you guys plan on even signing him after the season? You know, would Trevor even want to play for the Rockies? And so, I'll start with that. But Trevor Story, give me some possible landing spots you see. Um, if one, or if you see a couple landing spots, right. but with Trevor Story, where, where would you see him being the most successful and helping a team possibly win a World Series? Right. So you have to kind of you know analyze the situation and say, okay, uh, elite shortstop, top tier shortstop, great offensively, uh, great defensively, kind of a five tool guy. Uh, who really needs a shortstop that's also really uh, kind of down to go all in on this year? One spot that I do see him fitting in well is the Brewers. As I, as I mentioned to you, Travis, earlier, I do think that the Brewers, uh, their pitching, uh, it goes without saying, we've mentioned it you know, countless times, is very, very good. Their starting pitching is very impressive this year. Woodruff and Burns are both in the Cy Young conversation in the National League for sure. If Honestly, if, um, if DeGrom is unable to stay healthy, then there's a, definitely a chance that <laughs> Burns and, and uh, Woodruff are looking like number one and number two almost. It's really impressive. Yes, yes. And then we saw David Peralta. Yeah. Same thing. Strikeout machine. Mm-hmm. Really good at limiting runs. Uh, so like we said, the pitching is great. What is not great about them is their offense. Uh, it's not terrible. Yeah, they've missed Yelich for several, several you know mm-hmm. games now, a big a majority of the season. And uh, they just got, you know, some guys back like Lorenzo Cain. I believe Jackie Bradley Jr. is, uh, you know, kind of clicking, uh, especially defensively. Uh but one spot, you know, that they could really use is like a really talented shortstop. Imagine if they kind of added Trevor Story in like their, you know, two through four area of their batting lineup. Uh, if you kind of pair that with Yelich coming back and if he can reach MVP form again, all of a sudden this lineup looks completely different. It looks like a complete makeover almost. Um, I think that would be a great spot for him. I think that what he could add that, you know, that defensive component he brings as well could also even further help their pitching. Uh, I think 
the Brewers are almost a complete team. They're just kind of missing, you know, maybe a bit of a bit of a you know a, another standout bat to pair with Yelich. I think Story could be that kind of guy, especially because Yelich being a lefty, Story being a righty. I could see them being really good back to back. You know, maybe second and third in either order. Um, what do you think about that, Travis? No, I, 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 you, you brought that up, and I was, I was actually really shocked because that's a really good, you know, place for him because, you, like you said, the Brewers are the pitching side. They have the bullpen. They have. Devin Williams, they have Hader to close out games. They also have the starting pitching. In a three-game series, you have three tremendously great starting pitchers this year. All you need is a little bit of offense. And honestly, I mean, can you imagine if Trevor Story comes to the Brewers and also you get Yelich back and he performs like he did in 19? I mean, you have kind of a all-around level of the team is looking great. The defense, you have Jackie Bradley Jr. playing tremendous left yeah. field. Lorenzo Cain's an, a great, great center fielder. Yeah. Wong and as well if, at second base. You're right, exactly. Wong, and then, of course, you have uh, Travis Shaw in in the uh, playing the corners as well. And so, uh, you know, the Brewers are a team um, just needing that last offensive, you know, push and that kind of yeah. that, one that more, one more nudge. Piece. Yeah, I, I definitely see that too. And it'd be funny to see that because – You'd see Colorado literally losing all their their franchise guys to the NL Central. Mm-hmm. Arenado going to the Cardinals, Brewers acquiring Trevor Story. Right. For me, uh, looking at Trevor Story, you know, I've I've heard his name in this team kind of for almost the past like twelve months. Last season, beginning of last season, the middle of last season, even this past off season. But Trevor Story, I've heard a lot of things with him between the Yankees. Yeah. Going back to the Yankees, just because of right now the situation with Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres is really kind of he's almost he's almost like that bias player right now. He's really kind of a decline. He's not providing the bat that they all thought. And then the defense for Glaber is probably in the top bottom five percent for defensive infielders. He is doing tremendously horrible at uh, at the shortstop position because he played second base a couple of years back, but they moved him to shortstop after DD uh, left New York. But Replacing him, that would definitely, I think, be a crazy, crazy upgrade because now you're getting a guy that has a great glove, a great arm, great speed, and now you're also getting a guy that is one of the best offensive uh, shortstops in the league. And so that would be kind of a crazy little signing because... For sure. And you know what's funny too is you would literally have the same Colorado middle infield, DJ LeMayhew, Trevor Story on the Yankees. And of course, you got the pitching staff and Cole. How do you not win a playoff game when you have Cole on the mound and then you have that offense with Judge and Stanton in the outfield? Um, it would be a very nice signing for the Yankees. And of course, they got the prospects, I'm pretty sure, to send their way to uh, to Colorado. Also, Glaber, I'm guessing, would be in that package. And Glaber's a guy that's young, not really making a lot of money now on, on a minor league deal. But, you know, I think Colorado would actually, you know, love to have Galeber on their team as well because they'll have him for more years. And, of course, they'll be paying him, you know, pennies on the dollar. So right. I, that's, of course, one area I see for, you know, Trevor Story as, as a possible landing spot. Yeah, that, good good bringing that up. Uh, look, looking at Glaber, like you mentioned, his numbers sort of declining uh, over time here. Uh, in his, you know, 2019 uh, campaign, a 127 OPS plus, that's an 80, uh, 871 OPS, you know, Overall, you know, a very above average season, especially for like, you know, like a middle infielder like he is. Uh, And then just last year, the slugging dropped off quite a bit. The slugging went from 535 down to 368, which is just really small for what we know know he's capable of. He had 38 homers in 2019 and then only three homers in that short uh, 60 game season last year. He only played 42 games. And then this year so far through 33 games in 2021 down to an 82 OPS plus. So he's below average 
which is just not what you would have seen coming based on his 2019 where he had 38 home runs like we said um this season only one homer so far batting 234 average 326 on base and 298 slugging that's so low 298 for a guy who hit you know 38 home runs just two years ago really surprising story travis imagine story batting like third or fourth on this team right in that mix with little mayhew judge and uh, and stanton imagine him also taking some oppo shots into the right field oh, at, at yankee stadium definitely yeah. because obviously trevor story and also arenado one of the things you kind of have to think about when analyzing them is they've been playing in coors their whole career well if you go to yankee stadium you're at the second best place probably because yeah no exactly the second, the second most offensive park so you know that that, that would be a, a good kind of assurance that he can kind of keep up that same run production that you know he has been capable of in coors, in, a, in colorado so uh, it's it's funny you bring up the uh, the slugging percentage and you know just kind of the percentage of numbers. I, I mean, I actually looking at that, I have not really seen quite many players where their slugging percentage is lower than their on base. It's it's, right. kind of, it's kind of crazy to see that right now that he literally has a slugging percentage that for most good players that should be a batting average. Yeah. You know, the power has just dropped, and so you know bringing in Trevor Story, you know the power of course is going to you know keep rising, keep getting better. Um, and of course, he's also been talked to as kind of a landing spot next offseason. Will the Yankees try and get Trevor Story, you know, as a free agent? Well, if they bring him in, you know, midseason and he can help them, you know, make a deep run of the playoffs, I'm 95% sure Story would probably want to stay with the Yankees because they're going to be able to pay him. And so uh, Story would make a great fit in New York. And also, but of course, getting the trade, um, getting a trade, getting him, you know, sooner than in the offseason, you could also send Galeber and a couple of their, you know, packages to, uh, to uh, Colorado and, you know, get Trevor Story that way. And yeah, so, totally agree. Um, that's, of course, the first person I want to talk about. The next person, of course, I know we've been highlighting him actually for the last couple uh, weeks, if not months, but uh, Chris Bryant for the Chicago Cubs, having kind of a, just a, a, a great, crazy breakout year. I mean, he was kind of, you know, after 2016, his MVP season, he he really slowed down and, it, you know, people kind of, he kind of dropped off the radar. Everyone was, of course, looking at that season. Cubs win the World Series. He gets the MVP. You know, this guy's going to be carrying the Cubs for the next decade. Really dropped off, and you see kind of his numbers, you know, in 2018, you know, only 13 home runs, of course, was injured. And then, of course, you look at some of the numbers um, in uh, in 2019, still 31 home runs. Of course, the, uh, the average was dipping a little bit. Um, some of the other percentage stats were, of course, dipping. But this year, I mean, making a complete total resurgence. So, Please start with that and give me kind of a place you see him. You could see him landing. Right. Uh, I think there are some there are some different options, some interesting options for Chris Bryant to land. Currently, just to kind of highlight what he's doing right now, we're talking about a 661 slugging uh, slugging percentage. That is tops of the MLB. 661 slugging. That is you know a super high number. Uh, a 1071 OPS and a 195 OPS plus those both lead the National League so as a complete hitter he's putting together a great season walking a lot absolutely mashing the ball with 10 home runs so far and I think a place you know that might have a third base hole that he could really fill well a thought that comes to mind is the Braves I think the Braves having uh you know Austin Riley maybe not quite the complete package that they were hoping for. Obviously, he has some really good pop, some good upside maybe for the future. But I think if this season, if you wanted to make a push towards the National League, uh, you know, an, an NLCS type thing like they did last year, I don't know if Austin Riley being your everyday guy is, you know, the, the move. I think adding a guy like Bryant could be 
could be just great for their offense. He would be towards the top half, unlike Riley, who's usually betting in the seven or eight spot. Um, I, I do think Bryant would be a great fit there. Another team is also like the Mets. I could see them being a super great fit. That's, um, that's interesting, yeah. Uh, you add him to the Mets. Uh, you know, Both the teams I mentioned, the Braves and the Mets, they're like not running away with the division. They both kind of feel like they're missing something before they can really click and be like a, the division favorites. So I think getting a guy like Bryant to add to both their offenses would just totally round them out in a, in a big way. Um, both teams kind of missing a everyday third baseman that you can really rely on. Uh, in in big games and towards the top of the batting order. So what do you think about those options, Travis? Yeah, it's funny you bring up the Braves. I had the Braves too because Austin Riley, going to be a great... I I think he'll be a good uh, power hitter one day. You know, he'll grow into that. But I know the Braves right now are... are, They're in a win-now mode. I mean, they have Acuna playing like he's never played before. You have Mm -hmm. Freeman, and Freeman's a free agent at the end of the season, so we don't know about that. Um, and of course you've got kind of like your young pitchers that are pitching really good as well right now. And so the Braves are definitely in a mode where they're like, you know, we can easily, you know, we we're, we're competing for the division of course. And we're also a very, you know, good, uh, you know, team to challenge the Dodgers for the NL, uh, NL pennant. And so, right. uh, Braves are definitely on my list as well. I also want to go back to the Brewers. Brewers okay. are on my team as well. I know sometimes you don't see, you know, cross division trades, but you know what? I think in some cases you will. Um, the Brewers right now, I mean, you're looking at their infield uh, on the left side, you know, also kind of highlighting the Trevor Story thing. They Right now they have Lu- Luis Urias at shortstop. Sorry, but I've never heard of him. <laughs> so we'll skip that. <laughs> Playing third base, have heard of this guy. Really good bat and actually a good option to play first base or a couple outfield spots, but it's Travis Shaw at, fir- at third base. And so looking at that, I mean, you could easily slide in a guy like Chris Bryant to the Milwaukee, Bre- uh, Milwaukee Brewers uh, lineup. And looking at Travis Shaw's number this season, uh, batting 220 for the average, batting two or a 296 on base, and then a 394 slugging percentage. Bryant is almost light years above all those numbers right now. And oh, so yeah. putting him in that lineup, I mean, that would be a very nice, uh, you know, very nice compliment to, you know, getting back. Uh, Yelich, and then of course having uh, you know Jackie Bradley Jr. in the mix, Colton Wong, um, Lorenzo Cain also in the mix, and hopefully Keston here I can get back and you know perform like he did um, you know last year as well. So I see uh, that could be also a very good option for the Brewers if Story does not work out. Definitely try getting a guy like Chris Bryant. Um, also, Chris Bryant can play outfield and and be a left fielder. So there are also other teams I think that could be in the yeah. mix. There's versatility Bryant. there for sure. There is versatility. And honestly, if you need him too, I mean, you can even put him at first base sometimes too. I know he's I was, played first base as well. I was going to say, so Chris Bryant, only 29 years old, um, younger than you may expect. This guy, I could see, you know, if, if, if he you know gets traded to a team that he thinks is like in a in a win now mode for the next five mm-hmm. five or mm-hmm. so years, I could see him kind of doubling down and re-signing with them. Mm-hmm. And then you can look long-term. A lot of these kind of third base types end up kind of switching to first base sometimes late in their career. So you could see like him almost replacing Freeman if, you know, he were to leave the, the Braves. And that's or, a good point. Yeah, or, right. or, or on a team like, like the, uh, like the Brewers, they don't really have a first base staple for the next like five years. Yeah. So you, you can almost look long-term on some of these options and say, okay, well, Bryant, he makes sense now. He can make sense for the future as well. So uh, I guess we'll kind of see where he, you know, where he, you know, where the Cubs, if they're going to deal him, uh, and if they do deal him, where he'll go. But uh, I think all that so far is, you know, a lot of good options, and I think it could be exciting if a big team tries to make a splash. Definitely. I, I, I think when I was looking at it, I think he'll probably stay in the NL. I think most of the AL teams kind of have their, you know, left side, or they have their corner guys already, you know, picked out, and, you know, they already, you know, have already committed to them. So 
NL, some of the NL teams do make a lot of, you know, sense for him as well. But we could see an injury happen, you know, in the next, you know, month or so for an actual and a contender. Yankees maybe even too, you know, Urshela can go out. And then you could possibly see something like, you know what, we need a third baseman. Let's go out and get Chris Bryant as well. So sure. we'll have to stay on top of that and see what goes on there. But uh, one last guy I want to talk about because I know that his team is, you know, it's kind of crumbling. You know, they're missing some pieces. But uh, Max Scherzer right now having a tremendous start to the 2021 season. Oh, yeah. Um, and so definitely want to see what's going to happen with him as well because I know he's a free agent at the end of the year I know his age is getting you know up there I think he's in the uh, the, the, the high 30s right now almost yeah. 38 um, years of age so he'll be a free agent at the end of the season so the Nationals really could exercise this and see this as a good trade because right now in the season has a 2.1 ERA three and two record already you know eight games uh, pitched 51.1 innings pitched and 68 strikeouts and a great whip of point seven six on the season right now and looking back and looking also at you know the, the latest kind of games that he's been playing you know teams you know may so far has pitched pitched really well against the arizona diamondbacks pitched really well against the new york yankees and then also had a complete game win against the miami marlins so far the last three starts in may so he's actually you know really dialing it down and getting better as the season progresses so far right now in the month of may so he could be you know a very a very interesting landing spot. I'll start with you, Alex. What are some teams that you see kind of you know fitting for Max Scherzer right now? Right. Yeah. It's it's he's in an interesting scenario. Like you mentioned, his age is getting up there. He is going to be thirty seven before, before the season ends, I believe. Um, so that means next season he'll be thirty eight uh, during the season when he'll be be on the first year of a, of a new contract. So uh, he's in a scenario where I feel like. Uh, if you did make a trade for him, I does feel like it'd be a one-year rental. I don't see someone at You're his right. current mm-hmm. age uh, sort of being of, of the mindset of, oh, yeah, this team traded for me. I got to stick with them. I think he's going to be more of a mindset uh, in this offseason of like, okay, who's going to pay me and give me a couple years left to stay in the show because I know I still got some juice left. I want to keep going. I don't think it's going to be like you know a, a big loyalty thing if, if he does get dealt. So uh, that being said, you got to think about, okay, what team could use a starter uh, and this team also has to be kind of like this year could be the year, and it, it, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know uh, there's a lot of options. I guess one team that kind of comes to mind is maybe like the Cardinals. I can see them trying to go for a pitcher. I think a lot of the kind of NL juggernauts, like the big teams who you could see in the NLCS, all of them already have kind of established rotations. You could almost see him going to an AL team, perhaps. Uh, you know, he's getting <laughs> his age is getting up there. I don't know if he wants to be batting <laughs> on all his starts, but uh, you know, there are some teams who you know may want a pitcher like maybe a team like the angels or maybe the red Sox want another pitcher but um i don't know if those teams make that much sense i think he's gonna in a kind of unique spot and i think he could be a great asset for a team that's wants to win this year but uh what do you think travis what's like a landing spot you can see in uh, in your mind yeah you bring up the cardinals and that's a good that's a good you know team that i didn't really think about you know they have a lot of young you know starting pitchers they could you know and, and that's that's one thing i want to highlight too Every year to win the World Series, you almost need to go out and get a starting pitcher. You need to go out and get an ace. Scherzer's one of those guys. And so it's there's so many teams that, of course, could use Scherzer. Uh, for me, I wanted to highlight, um, kind of for me, the AL West. I don't know why he, the AL West makes sense. For me, I think that, A, you have the Oakland A's right now who are you know playing exceptional baseball. Uh, they won today. I think they're either tied or they're maybe a little bit behind the Red Sox for the best record in baseball. You know, looking at their pitching staff, I know they have uh, Manaya, they have Bassett, but I think they can honestly use a guy like Scherzer. We saw in 2014 them go out and get John Lester, 
I think they got him from the Boston Red Sox. And it was kind of a big move because it was just like the Oakland A's are, you know, making, you know, big market moves. Like, what's going on here? And so I could see that possibly happening again and going out and getting another big dog for their starting rotation because I, I just feel like the A's this year, it's it's almost the fans there are probably like, we, we just cannot get past the ALDS or, yeah. if anything, the wild card round if we're playing in the wild card round. So I feel like they have kind of a push to maybe do something, get there, and actually you know be a relevant team in the playoffs. I also have the Houston Astros because they're not going to have Verlander this year. They're playing exceptionally well. They have, to me, they have one of the best offenses in the AL, if not MLB right now, with all those guys clicking. Um, and then also, you know, with getting Framber Valdez back, probably in the next couple weeks, if not month, um, pairing him with Scherzer. And then also you have Christian Javier and a couple other guys on the uh, Houston Astros. I'm sorry, Zach Greinke as well. Of course. You know, you can kind of almost almost do a kind of another reversion of that 2018 or 2019, uh, you know, rotation when it had Cole Verlander, Granke, but you can kind of get some, you know, exceptional starting pitching in there. And who knows? I mean, the Astros, they're an October team. And so I could see them making a push that way and getting kind of a, a a move like that. Uh, Of course, angels to me being a fan, angels, of course, make tons of sense. We need pitching. If angels want to make a, relevant run in the playoffs they need another starting pitcher i won't go into depth with that they just would need a starting pitcher another team and this is actually a surprise surprise to me as well uh seattle mariners if if they can kind of be sneaking around and kind of stay in the in the discussion of you know we're still a relevant american league team we still have you know faith that we can even make the playoffs this year they are playing um, above 500 baseball right now uh and so Adding, you know, some of the youth coming up, uh, Jared Kelnick, who just came up uh, a couple of days ago, um, kind of getting some of those younger guys up. It would be interesting if they could go after a guy like Max Scherzer, maybe someone else, but a veteran pitcher who's actually been there and done that and actually use that kind of experience with that young pitching staff that the Seattle Mariners have. It'd be interesting. I'm not saying they're going to go out and get Scherzer, but I am thinking that, you know what, they do need someone if they want to make, you know, somewhat of a push. And I think that sometimes, you know, years like this, when you have young players coming up, it almost makes sense. Let's just try and, you know, let's try to gamble and, and go after, you know, go after someone big this year. Because I know they have a ton of prospects and a ton of people in their minor league system. Yeah. They got a ton of talent, you know, in, in the top 10 of, you know, minor leaguers right now. So, of course, they wouldn't use any of those guys. But they have so many guys probably in double A, low A ball. They can definitely make a switch with the uh, with the Washington Nationals or any other team mm-hmm. and get some starting pitching and possibly, you know, kind of you know, make a run at this year yeah. as I see just right now. But for me, the AL West, I, I think there's a lot of teams that don't have good starting pitching right now. Yeah, and so no, it, I, it, it'll be interesting. And, and as we know, starting pitching is really what's going to make, you know, make your the World difference Series in October. Run. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that's interesting that you kind of have four different AL West teams that all make at least a bit of sense uh, to be. I a, think also the Texas spring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, totally kidding with that m- one. Maybe not quite, uh, you know, division contenders. Maybe there, 2026, but, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the Mariners is interesting. Um, they do have, you know, a couple bright spots in the rotation. You know, maybe nothing, you know, to write home write home about. Uh, it does feel like the Mariners are almost preparing to be super good in like two three years. Uh, so many young talents, like you mentioned, guys like Evan White, J.P. Crawford. Uh, I believe Kyle Seeger is going to be a free agent after the season, so that kind of frees up some money, perhaps, if they don't want to keep right, him yeah. around. Uh, and, of course, you got guys like Kyle Lewis, like you said, Kelnick making his debut. Uh, super impressive so far. Uh, 
we'll see how he continues this year. And then like Taylor Trammell, like there's so many options to, you know, be great in the next decade. So I'm not really sure that they would go for like the big splash this year. But like you said, uh, if they end up being relevant uh, second half of the season, why not make that deadline move um, and try to, you know, stay with it. Uh, also, like you mentioned, the Astros, that could make a lot of sense. They traded for uh, Granky when they needed a, like a yep. third option. Mm-hmm. They traded for Verlander the year they won the World Series. So yep. Yep. they have this kind of track record of saying, okay, this year, let's just see what we can do. We have the bats. We need a pitcher. Let's just try to win it. And they, they do that year in, year out. It seems like and 2017, 2019. Why not 2021? Go for Scherzer. See if they can, uh, you know, make that big, uh, that big play. They do. And, and they do. Are sh- and they're showing so far with, you know, even their, their bullpen, you know, Presley right now looking so dominant right now. He's one of the, he's probably one of the best closers in the game right now. Yeah. Um, really strong start to 2021. So they're, they're just a team that's not afraid to make that act and get, you know, a top line starting pitcher to, uh, you know, kind of finish the season and take them into, uh, into October. So definitely could see that move happening, but of course, you know, a lot of pitchers could be on the move this, uh, this, this, uh, trade deadline for sure. And so, uh, you know, moving kind of to the last area and this is of course, the, the meat of the patty, as we talked about last week, uh, going back into the Our Pujols, you know, world. And, and, you know, what happened this week with Our Pujols? Well, something big happened with Our Pujols this week. Really, and really big. I, I, I just I just I just don't know how to respond to this kind of I, I it's a very interesting acquisition. But Our Pujols acquired by the Los Angeles Dodgers what? as of yesterday. And so he will now be a. Dodger for the rest of the 2021 season yeah. and you know Dodgers are only paying him I think it's only about $420,000 while Artie's sitting in Anaheim you know still giving this guy a $30 million check so to play know, against him you know it's kind of an interesting move because I know uh Dodgers front office is probably kind of like you know they're probably laughing a little bit you know we only, we only got to pay this guy this much money and you know Artie's got to go over there and pay this guy you know millions of dollars and so uh I will start with you Alex Thoughts on this move? Thoughts on, you know, what the Dodgers are trying to accomplish? Yeah. Uh, I, we pretty much spent last season, last episode uh, going uh, through all the reasons we think Albert Pujols got cut, the reasons why we think the Angels were ready to move on from him. It made a lot of sense to us why he was no longer on the MLB level. And it's very surprising to see a team who's obviously contending for the World Series obviously the favorite in their division in their national league in the whole mlb to be in the world series and to try to make that you know back-to-back world series w to see them go for albert pujols in this kind of spot it just seems super odd and travis i guess one thing people keep pointing to is that the dodgers this year have been very bad versus left-handed pitching and albert pujols batting average versus left-handed pitching is actually better than the dodgers team average Really? Left-handed pitching. Really? Which, did not know that, huh? That's like an interesting kind of stat. We're like, okay, Albert Pujols this season, like maybe a slightly above average, maybe around average for like a guy against lefties. Dodgers have been below average against lefties as a team. So I kind of see... What's their uh, ground and double play ratio? On the, on the I don't know, but it's about to go up. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, just adding Pujols for that reason, to me, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know... There are people in the Dodgers organization that know more about the underlying stats than I do, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because that Albert Pujols stat of like how he's doing versus lefties is obviously based on a very small sample size. You can look at his stats versus lefties or his stats in general for the last five years, every year getting worse 
every year playing worse defense. There's no DH in the National League. So when they're going to actually use him at first base, uh, I would hope for their sake never because I can just see just, you know, the Dodgers defense has always been a, a kind of a highlight of theirs. And he's only going to make it worse. Um, he cannot. He cannot make it better, and I am certain of that. Yeah, I, the, the the one thing I can see them using the one way I can see them kind of using Albert as like I guess a tool to try to succeed is in certain scenarios, maybe against a lefty reliever. You know, there's like that three batter minimum, right? They put in a lefty reliever to face a lefty uh, lower in the Dodgers batting order. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can see them putting in Albert Pools uh, to pinch hit there, and then you have a defensive sub come in after him. Yep. That could kind of make some sense in the right scenarios. Um, or the pitcher, or the pitcher's up. Also, exactly, the whole concept of, you know, uh, no DH makes you raise an eyebrow, but then you remember, okay, pitchers are batting, relief pitchers need a pinch hitter. So Albert Pools could be one of the guys in like an eighth inning uh, close game. You know, reliever comes up to bat, you pinch it with Albert, and the relief pitcher will come relieve, you know, Albert. And, you know, you, you don't have to worry about him on defense. You don't have to worry about him being in a big spot later in the game. You just have him that one time. You say, okay, let's just bite the bullet. Let's see what Albert can do. Maybe he can get a clutch, you know, hit up the middle. And, uh, you know, he's capable of that. You know, it's it's not like it's complete, complete dead weight, but it's really going to test Dave Roberts' coaching ability to say, okay, how can we use this guy in the right spot where he's not going to hurt us? Um, Definitely. And I will say, when they're coming into pinch hit, I just hope that there isn't a runner on first base. Right. Or there's not a runner on first and second base. So when Albert Pools comes up to pinch hit, there better be runners on second and third or second base or third base yeah. with less than two outs because you give that double play, grounded double play option, it's going to happen. And, yeah. and you're going to see it, it. It's a magnet. You're yeah. going to see it probably once or twice this season with him. Uh, for me, you know, with the Angels, I mean, he kind of was the ultimate just rally killer. And so wasn't really you know producing in that way and and, and it's funny because i mean i i definitely thought that he was gonna he had to stay in the al he had to stay in in the al where the dh was still available the nl i mean the only team that made sense was the cardinals because i feel like every other team was you know in the nl was kind of either you know maybe didn't have a spot for him or you know was actually you know really a contender i mean you look at some some of the teams in every division. I mean, you can name three to four teams that are like, well, you know, they're kind of still contending, you know, Cincinnati Reds, they're still contending. And then even like, look at the Cubs, the Brewers and the Cardinals, the Cardinals, of course, were one team that everyone thought, can you go there to be, you know, reunited and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Retire um, with the team you started with makes some sense. What are you going to do? Take Goldschmidt spot. I mean, not going to happen. Absolutely you, not. You're going to be the pinch hitter. And of course, when he left the angels, it was clear. He said he wanted to be an everyday starter. He did not want to have his role limited, but now you see him go to the Dodgers, where they're one of the best teams in baseball right now. They have one of the you know best rosters, best lineups where everyone clicks. Everyone is you know doing their job. If that's you know sacking someone over, if that is you know hitting the ball to the right side, advancing the runners, or hitting sack flies, or in a lot of cases hitting home runs or gappers, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And especially now with after yesterday's news of Kyle Seager, or I'm sorry, Corey Seager, yeah. the brother, Corey Seager fracturing his his hand during that bat in last night's game, he will be probably out for possibly about four to six weeks, I want to say. So uh, probably going to have to slide maybe Lux over to the shortstop's position. Muncie could have the choice of, you know, moving from first base to second base. And then you might have an option to, you know, play pools a little bit. Maybe if there's a left-handed pitcher starting that day, 
you say, okay, or you might say, we're going to let, let Muncie sit this one out. We're going to put Chris Taylor at second base and we're going to have, you know, Pujols play first base. Pollock can play the outfield, you know, keep, I know that I know Dave Roberts likes to keep a lot of righties when it's a lefty pitcher, obviously, because right. that is traditionally going to do better. So it'll be interesting now to see that kind of done. But of course, I'd rather have Muncie's bat in the lineup. Yeah. 10 Munce, out of 10 games. Muncie versus a lefty. You know, you say, okay, lefty, lefty, it's probably worse. But just compared to Albert, like, Muncy's going to walk more. Muncy's going to hit more home runs in that scenario. He's going to run on the line. He's going to play better defense. That's that's oh, the, the case the, in point the right The defense there. won't be close. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point I wanted to bring up, because, you know, ever since his departure with the Angels, which last, you know, I think it was May 5th was um, the first game that the Angels kind of, you know, that was that was Albert's last game, Cinco de Mayo. Pretty much number Cinco out for the Angels. So ever since that last game, I want to highlight one player on the Angels, and that's Jared Walsh. We've been highlighting him all year. We've been talking, you know. Raving. Just raving how good he's been. I have some numbers here. Ever since Pujols' departure, because I remember when he departed, everyone was thinking, how could you do this? You have a Hall of Fame, you know, legend. You know, he's not that bad. What are you guys doing? All that stuff. I want to, I want to give you some numbers by what Jared Walsh, just what Jared Walsh has done since May 5th for the Angels. Ever since May 5th, he has, and this is in 10 games. This is 10 games that he's played in. He's batted 351 with a 439 on base and a 541 slugging. That leads to about a 980 OPS yeah. so far in the last 10 games. Elite, yeah. Already putting up, th- those are those are Pujols numbers back in 2011-10. Yeah. Ever since then, he's had three runs, three extra base hits, eight RBIs, four walks, and 13 hits. Looking at Albert Pujols this whole season... The whole season of 2021 with our pools, 24 games, 86 at-bats, our pools only had five extra base hits this season. In the last 10 games, Walsh has had three extra base hits. Yeah. This season, our pools has only had 12 RBIs in 24 games. The last 10 games, Walsh has had eight. Yeah. Look at walks. The last, the last 24 games, the whole season of our pools, he had three walks. The last 10 games, Walsh has had four walks. The last 24 games, sorry, I'm going to keep this going. Yeah. The last 24 games, our pools had had 17 hits on the season. The last 10 games, Walsh has had 13 hits. Right, so Walsh seems like he's right there. He's just dominating. Yeah. It, it made it made too much sense. He's a lefty bat. He's a young guy. He plays defense. He runs balls out. He actually plays with a chip on his shoulder. No no disrespect to Pools. I please don't want to have disrespect to him because this guy is a legend. This guy is going to be a Hall of Famer first ballot. But... You had to let him go, and you just kind of look at that replacement. It makes so much difference in in the lineup as we see right now. But you know, leaving that out of the Angels, going back to the Dodgers, um, it'll be interesting. That's all I got to say. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. You know, I think some teams were thinking maybe Pools could be that you know mentor. He'll have that veteran you know knowledge. He'll have that knowledge about how to win you know multiple World Series, how to you know come through in big moments in the postseason. But the Dodgers have already all, all done that. You know, Bellinger, Mookie, um, Muncie, you know, Justin Turner, they've they've played in multiple World Series. It's not like they're missing that mentor role. They've all been there for each other of in course. those big wins, those big losses. Those po- It's like whenever the Dodgers have like a big postseason loss, like l- let down, it's not like they're missing like a mentor. They just won it last year. So it's, yeah. not, it's not like they, they're missing like this kind of, you know, sage like you know peace in their in their in their in their in their uh in the clubhouse yeah uh, andrew friedman super well respected super you know just an incredible team builder has 
you know, made this Dodgers uh, kind of juggernaut team this last, you know, five years or so, I'm not going to question him. I'm not going to say I know more than him because, you know what? But, I, we, but we do. No. <laughs> just right, right. Uh, a guy like Friedman, you know, I, I, trust, I trust him more than I trust just about anyone to build a, a great team. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe he can prove us wrong. Maybe Friedman sees something we don't see. Uh, is going to tell Dave Roberts to use him in a certain way that uh, Angels never did. But uh, Hey, the shortstop position's open. And Albert's ready for it? <laughs> uh, that would certainly be a sight to behold, but uh, we know that's not going to go that far. Uh, what I will say is it, is, it, is, it, feel, it feels kind of sad to me that Albert was so adamant about you know what, I deserve to be a starter. The Angels are disrespecting me and I need to leave. And then he goes and signs with a team where apparently Andrew Friedman and Albert had a long talk before the signing and said, okay, we could definitely use you in a limited role and a clubhouse presence. Would you agree? And Albert agrees. And that to me kind of, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's kind of Albert, you know, you know, he felt kind of slatted by the Angels and by Joe Madden, but not, not starting him all the time. But, you know goes to the Dodgers, and he's going to get you know the same treatment, essentially, if not even less playing time. Yeah. I, would, I would say certainly less playing time than he yeah. got for the Angels. So and, it, th- that kind of fact right there kind of, you know, irks me a bit and says, you know, okay, Albert kind of felt disrespected by us, but, you know, you're about to get even less playing time. So, I mean, have fun. Yeah, no, exactly. And and that's the one thing that definitely Angel fans are confused because it's like you, you left us because you wanted to play. And Angels all knew, you know, that's fine. Like, you know, if we release you and you play somewhere else and you finish out the, the season on a high note, you know, good for you. You know, thank you for what you've done, all that. But he, he goes to the Crosstown rival and, of course, he accepts probably maybe a limited role. Because I know I, I, I don't think Dave Roberts is going to be having him be an everyday starter. I mean, I just cannot see him no. ruining the team that way. Like you said, eighth inning, seventh inning, even ninth inning, lefty reliever comes in. Pujols comes up with maybe one out. And you know what? He can actually be a very, very good help. Career, he has more walks than strikeouts. So you know he doesn't strike out that much. And even like these couple past seasons, he hasn't stri- struck. He hasn't struck out? Struck out, yeah. God, man, the grammar is so hard. But, uh, you know, he hasn't struck out too much. And so that's definitely a good positive note for the Dodgers. And you know what? They have, they have tons of money. They have so much money reserved, $420,000. I mean... That's that's triple A, double A, minor league money. And so they're saying, you know what? We'll get we'll get an all-time great. And you know what? I think also one thing you look at is maybe they just want to say, oh, we have one of the all-time great Hall of Famers. He was a Dodger. You know, you look at so many Dodge so many players in their career, they were either Dodgers. And I look back at, you know, Eddie Murray, a great first baseman. <laughs> he was first a Dodger. Guy, first guy that came to my mind was Murray, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Murray was a Dodger. Um, some other people come to my mind. You know, I think Kenny Lofton was a Dodger. You yeah. know, just certain... Frank Robinson. Yeah, Frank, t- yeah. tons of guys. Yeah, you see, and Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey was a Dodger. You just look yeah. at so many guys, they were Dodgers. And so it's uh, it's it's maybe, it's kind of that way. It's kind of almost kind of like a Lakers thing, you know, with Lakers. I mean, so many greats were Lakers. And yeah, so, at some point in their career, they want to wear the purple and gold. Yeah. Same could go for Dodgers. They want to be in the blue for at least one season yeah. in their in their dog days. And what's nice with Pujols, you know, doesn't have to relocate, doesn't have to get, you know, move into an apartment. You I know, think that's a big factor. And I think I, with just staying in L.A., he's like, you know what? Okay, fine. I mean, he probably talked to so many teams and said, hey, can, can you play me? And they said, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for you. But... Dodgers were like, listen, you know, we'll we're we're willing to get you, but you know, we you have to you have to work with us. We're not going to be starting you because look at our roster, look at our infield. We don't have a DH, so I don't know what to tell you, Albert, but we can definitely use you. And he's probably thinking, 
well, I'm not going back to the Angels, and I don't think San Diego wants me uh, with what they're going on, what they got going on right now. And so, definitely, um, definitely was you know the move that, the, that that both both parties agreed upon. So, you know what? I mean, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens and see you know how those two parties mesh, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he's happy, and uh, you know, hopefully, he just hurts the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice for us, wouldn't it? But I mean, it would kind of kind of prove us right on our whole our pools, not slander, but kind of our just kind of being disappointed with him. Uh, we could definitely see it continuing in in LA, uh, and I guess we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Like you said, okay, Travis. Like we like we tend to do in the middle of our shows at some point. I'm gonna go ahead and ask you a trivia question, and we're gonna see if you can go ahead and figure it out. Uh, we'll give you your time. We'll kind of let you talk through it. But this is as of this is as of two hours ago. I believe it's still correct. But, you know, these kind of leaderboards are changing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, day in, day out. So as of two hours ago, it was a four-man tie for the MLB lead in home runs at 12. Um, Aaron Judge was one of the 12. Uh, Shoei Otani, who homered today against Boston. The GOAT. Big ninth inning W. Super stoked for Shohei. We'll talk about that in a little bit in the show. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. And then Ronald Acuna, who, you know, was the first man to be at twelve, I do believe. Yep. Uh, electric start to his to his season. Uh, those are the three big name guys with uh, currently sitting at twelve home runs. There is a fourth, Travis. I'm gonna let you uh, try to figure out who that might be. Uh, I know you know who's probably towards the top of the list, but I'm gonna let you try to figure out who that other guy sharing the current MLB lead in home runs is. Talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, of course, my first. Of course, guess is going to be JD Martinez, um, just because I think he's. I, I I've, I've seen him at eleven. I think he's definitely at eleven. I don't know if he's at his twelfth, but he's definitely up there. Byron Buxton too. Um, he of course was you know almost like Mister Mister April. I think he was tied with home runs in April for for all of April for all all MLB hitters. Um, so he's definitely up there. But I know there's I know there's one other guy and. And, you know, this is actually pretty funny because this is just based on my MLB The Show knowledge because of how much I play that game. You know uh, you know the live updates. I know the live updates. And this guy actually got a pretty good increase on his live update. Um, a little surprise, but I'm going to think it's going to be – I, I, I've, I've seen just posts about this guy in the past couple of weeks, but he's been on a kind of a tear. But is it, uh, is it Mitch Hanniger? Ding, 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 ding. Travis, it is Mitch Hanniger. I'm good. It is Mitch. It is Mitch Haniger sitting at twelve home runs. Uh, so currently, the leaderboard is looking like Judge, Otani, Haniger, Acuna Jr. all at twelve. Rafael Devers is sitting at eleven, who's tied with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Wow. and Freddie Freeman. Uh, according to this post, if it's still accurate, uh, Devers, Guerrero, and Freeman all hit a home run today, so they all went up to eleven. Oh wow! Okay. And that's tied with Jose Ramirez, who's also at eleven. Uh, Nick Castellanos uh, is sitting at 10 with Chris Bryant at 10, Adolis Garcia at 10, and JD Martinez at 10. Uh, stat courtesy of Sarah Langs on Twitter. Uh, thanks for that. And, you know, that, that super interesting stat that Mitch Hanniger is right up there with the big dogs, huh? He's, total, yeah, total underdog for, for Seattle. But, I mean, I mean, he's always a guy who's like had some impressive upside, some impressive numbers, but seeing him at the top of that list, don't know how long it'll last, but, you know, a great start for him and his team, the Mariners, so far, uh, better than expected. And yeah, like we said, he's at the top of the list, so good for him. All right, Alex, and then kind of the next section I want to get into, and we do this, you know, every, you know, probably bi-weekly, um, and uh, kind of talk about, you know, our updates on the power rankings, our top 10 so far, you know, 
in the middle of May, at least right now. I think we went through it uh, beginning of May, and now we want to kind of go through, you know, of course there are going to be updates, and there's going to be new teams, some teams dropping off. But I'll start with you for power rankings. Give me your, you know, one through five as we, as we you know, kind of kick it to, you know, the middle of May. Sure, yeah. today. So today being May 16th, uh, Sunday afternoon, a lot of the games have been completed, but not all of them quite yet. Uh, I am going to go through my top five. First off, number one team for me right now, maybe be a bit of a surprise, but I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox mm. as my number one team. Uh, currently, uh, just impressed with, with what they're doing. Um, I, you know, they're at the top of their division, and I do think that, you know, a lot to be impressed with by the White Sox, in my opinion. I have them at the top spot. Number two, going down my list, I have the San Diego Padres. And that might be another surprise. Who knows? Uh, I, I guess I'll see what you have when we get to you. But Padres are my second team. I have Astros as my third team, the Houston Astros. I have the Boston Red Sox. Finally, thank you. Okay, all right. In the fourth spot. We can talk about the, them in a bit here because... It seems like you're upset with that placing. And then five, I do have the L.A. Dodgers in the five spot. Uh, have had a downward spiral the last, uh, you know, 25 games or so. But the last chunk of games, kind of a bit of a bounce back. Uh, Travis, that's my one through five. Uh, let me hear yours, and we can discuss our top fives. Yeah, so number one, starting with the Bo Sox. Okay. So number one, got them. Number two, I have the Houston Astros. Number three, I have the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Number four... Stay in the AL. Have the Oakland A's. So oh. my one through four, all American League. Okay. Number five, for me right now, the most powerful team in the NL is the San Diego Padres. Okay. So we have very similar teams in our top five. I think our only disagreement was A's and Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I had Dodgers, you had A's. Mm-hmm. But the other four are the same, different order. So I had the Red Sox at the four spot. You have the Red Sox. In, numero uno in the one spot so i guess that's something we can dive into first here i guess i'll kind of make my case as to why i don't have them uh as high as you uh so i'm gonna look at kind of some of their recent series currently just beat up on the angels uh for a few games here actually just a just a few games just a couple of games actually did end up blowing the save today uh against you know Mike Trout, a clutch two-out single. Shohei Otani, a clutch two-run home run to make the score five to four, going up to six to five. Angels favor. Uh, that alone sort of you know swung that series away from being a sweep. Uh, recently, also Boston uh, lost some games to Oakland, and then they also beat up on Baltimore uh, about last week. So I kind of look at the recent strength of schedule. And I guess I'm just not super impressed. Uh, you know, beat up on the Angels, like we said, lost some games to Oakland, uh, and then, you know, beat up on Baltimore. I, I guess, and then played Detroit the series before that. So I just kind of look at their recent series, and no series kind of tells me, oh, they just destroyed that really good team. I don't really see that from them. And, in, you know, ever since their amazing start to the se- to the season, I believe they're currently in the realm of 16 and 14 of their last, like, 30 or so games. Um, I, I guess I'm just not super, I, I'm not, I'm not buying Red Sox right now. I guess I'm kind of selling. I just think that, you know, they're going to be in the playoff hunt. I don't think that they're, you know, dominating their division, I, I would say. So, uh, why are you high on them? What do you have them at number one uh, for? That, no, that's an interesting point. You know, for me, of course, I think that, you know, I know it's, you know, it's, it's, it, you can definitely overlook this, but, uh, best record in LB right now. I mean, that's, I think that's very obvious. 
uh, seven and three in the last uh, ten games. Uh, currently, was on a three game winning streak. Today, of course, that got snapped. Um, you know, hitting just dominated. I feel like the Angels series right now. I mean, hitting, of course, is one of their you know main strengths right now, and why they're beating teams. Um, of course, you know, played the Baltimore Orioles, and of course, you know, just beat them, and you know, only only lost one out of four to the Baltimore. Uh, played the A's. Uh, I think on on uh, Tuesday night they lost two to three to the A's and kind of had it, it was a, it was a very almost just like they kind of just beat themselves that night. I think that um, some of the guys actually had some critical errors in the game, but um, ended up you know at least winning a game against Oakland, which Oakland is a uh, division leader right now, and so um, I had to give them you know props for that. And of course, you know whenever you play the Angels, you're playing a top top notch you know baseball team. You're you're, you're talking about. Could be one of the best, you know, rosters in, in. <laughs> no, but, you know, at least when you're playing, you know, for me, whenever you play the Angels, I feel like you're, you're actually, you know, I feel like the Angels always are just beating themselves every single night. And Alex would probably, you know, agree with me on that. So I, uh, I, I see them, you know, just, just on the whole entire season, ever since that first three game series against the Baltimore Orioles, where they got swept and Boston was just almost swept off the MLB platform they have just made a resurgence and they have just been so dominant and their offense has been so special to watch. Bogarts, JD Martinez have been um, awesome to see. Renfro, Dahlback's been kind of improving. I know he, Angel fans know him as he just pretty much killed us in the series right now. Um, and also Devers as well. So uh, definitely, of course, I got to pay my respects to Red Sox, best record in baseball. And, so that's why they have them at least number one for, for me. Sure, yeah. I guess my little counter... I do agree. After that, that first series, they lost three straight games. They went on a massive tear of, I believe it's like about a, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight wins following that first series loss they had. But since then, the last 30 games, only 16 and 14. Uh, obviously, the offense is very impressive. And their run differential is very good, too. They have two, Before today, they have 212 runs scored. 166 runs allowed, and today they only lost by one. So that differential is staying uh, heavily in the positive. So I get why you'd be high on them. I just think, you know, look at the last 30 games. I'm not, like, stoked. So um, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. What, what else do you want to highlight in your kind of top five? Top five. I'll highlight the White Sox. You have them number one. I have the number three. Second best MLB roster right now. I, I mean, you, I definitely see that. They're definitely one of the teams we talked about in the offseason. You know, they're probably going to be – you know, top five in baseball at end of the season. I still agree with that. Um, right now, seven and three, the last 10 games. They actually, you know, if you look at the last couple series, uh, last week they swept Kansas City, three three game series, swept them, then swept the Minnesota Twins, right now currently the worst team in baseball. So Kansas City is kind of on a crazy decline. Then they sweep the Twins, who are the worst team in baseball. Then they split the series against Kansas City, and G. Lito just has, just, he, he's not performing as, as we see him right now. And that's why I had the number three, because they actually split the series with Kansas City two and two, who, you know, they're not doing very good right now. I think they're like two and eight of their last 10 games. And so sure. had to move them back a little bit in the uh, in the power rankings. Definitely, you know, definitely a force to be reckoned with. But for me, White Sox are, um, I don't think they're number one yet. Okay, yeah, and, that, and that's fair. Um, like you said, splitting the series with the Royals, who were really skidding there for a while. Uh, definitely like a bit of a questionable uh, series. Uh, what I will say, I guess, is I just have a lot of faith in their pitching. Like you said, Gilito, not off to the start he might have hoped, but I still have so much faith in him to put together a really impressive season. I really would want him on my team if I were going into a, a seven-game series. Uh, and then you kind of pair that with Lance Lynn, who uh, is, you know, 
kind of an all-star conversation guy almost yep. the last every year the last few years and then obviously Rodon this year just completely reinvented himself almost he's become this really dominant starting pitcher Definitely, they didn't yep. really see him being one of the like top three guys if you had to go into a big series but he might end up being that guy in the playoffs we'll see mm-hmm. um i think there's a lot to be excited about and obviously they've had to battle with injuries no Eloy jimenez uh so far this season robert going out for an extended stretch here despite that still a great record still really running away with their division i travis i don't really buy in the indians being like a huge threat in the division i could see a serious runaway train here with the White Sox no. just running away with the division. With and the Twins out of the mix. And and they're going to be playing the Twins, the Royals, and the Tigers, the Tigers so much. I could see them just really yeah. racking up an impressive... I could see them leading the AL in wins, 15 honestly. games by, by September. They could be yeah. a team that literally just... And I middle think, middle of September, they've already clinched it. You know, right. they could... They they should and they really they really can run away with this division. Yeah, and so I guess that being said, I just I'm really high on them uh, on their stock. I think that I think that's you know a kind of a good wrap up on them. Definitely no no yeah, and so um, we'll switch it now to you know go through your six through ten and you know telling me about that. I'll go through through my six through ten, and then of course we'll do the same thing. You know cool. what, what we see as you know kind of a maybe a snub team or a surprise team. But I'll start with you. So six my through 10. so my six team was the A's, and I guess that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you have in your top five? We're, you know, uh, and they're se- just looking into your top five right now. Yeah, number six. yeah, they're, they're right I'm knocking in the door essentially. Uh, seven, I have Yankees, uh, obviously getting hotter. Uh, it seems like every week. Eight, I have the Giants, who are still, I believe, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, are still leading the NL West, which I don't surprisingly, think, I don't yeah. think anyone saw this lasting <laughs> this long. Uh, you know, props to them; they're just kind of scrapping their way to a to a uh, being favorable in that division. And then nine, I'm going to go with the Blue Jays. Actually, okay, impressed with what they're doing right now. And ten, I'm going to go with the Phillies. My 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 lone hmm. okay my lone NL NL East team. Uh, Charles, what about, what about your what about your six through ten? So six through ten, um, starting off at number six with the Dodgers. Uh, definitely, I mean, they're going to be top five end of the year i guarantee that um just having a little bit of a you know kind of a rough couple 10 games i know they are five and five the last 10 games they of course i think if i'm you know looking at the scores right now they should have won today oh they're actually losing the marlins right now in the top of the ninth but anyways they are winners of the last four so four straight wins yeah looking at the last couple series you know lost two or three to the angels then they go home and they sweep the seattle mariners not a really big surprise i mean they should probably do that to the seattle mariners and then right now um currently you know they won the series against the miami marlins but are losing right now in the ninth to the marlins and so um have them of course you know gonna have them at number six just because um yeah a little bit of a struggle but of course they're starting to show you know signs of of uh of you know moving back up in, in the standings number seven i have the San Francisco Giants. So, five, six, seven, I stick in the NL West. So, the Giants are my number seven team right now. I got to give them respect just because, I mean, it's middle of May and they're still first place in the West, which is just kind of like, huh? No one saw it coming. No one saw it coming at all. And so, uh, Giants, number seven. Number eight, St. Louis Cardinals. Right. Number nine, then I go to the New York York Yankees. And so, have them at number nine spot. Number 10, I'm staying in New York. I'm going with the Mets. For the number ten spot right now, okay, in uh, in the uh, power rankings for for right now. But looking at your list, um, I heard Phillies. Take me through that. Take me through that pick. Sure. Uh, s- same way with you having the Mets in there. I felt like I needed to highlight one of these two. There's two winning teams in the in the NL East currently. It's the Phillies and it's the Mets. I think we both kind of were on the same page where we have to highlight uh, one of these teams. And I went with the Phillies. 
I just really like what they're doing. Um, I think, you know, a guy like Nola, who might have had a rockier start than he might have hoped for, I think there's tons of uh, opportunity for him to rebound. I think, you know, guys like Eflin, Zach Wheeler, uh, impressive so far this year. Uh, lots of room to even keep getting better. Um, Harper has had some injury struggles, but really an MVP resume so far this season. If he can stay healthy, uh, I could see him making just a massive impact for them. Hoskins with the power, uh, you know, as, as good as ever, uh, more or less. I, I think that, you know, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the division since the Mets and Braves both don't want to jump out and grab the division like we thought one of them would. I think the Phillies are going to be, you know, sort of an interesting threat there. Uh, I think the Mets right now, I guess I kind of a little bit more happy with the Phillies just because the Mets, uh, I think they're kind of reliant on Jacob DeGrom to be great. And right now he's actually out on a 10-game IL stint, I believe. Um, One thing I will point out the Mets too is last 10 games, they swept Arizona, they swept Baltimore, two teams who are really not relevant. Right. Um, But they actually just got swept by the Rays. And so they finally play a team that's 500 or above and they don't show up. Um, But of course, for me, I thought that leading the division was, you know, an interesting move. The NL East for me is just kind of like, I I just don't know what's happening because you have such strong teams. And you know what? This is actually what some people, some analysts thought. You're going to have an NL East that I guarantee will have like the division winner will probably win 85 games. They could win 85 to 88 games because it is such it's gonna a, be a tight race. competitive race. Yeah. But it's going to be their teams are so are so good, but it's so, you know, competitive right now. Yeah. And so I, I, I lo- looking at their kind of recent schedule, I like the fact that for the Phillies, they did sweep the Milwaukee Brewers, if I'm not mistaken, uh last week and then uh when they recently played Atlanta, they they did favorably as well. I I just think that uh there's something to be excited about with them. Do I see them in the playoff picture? Not necessarily, but I do think a 10 spot right now, that's just where I got them. No problem. Uh, I guess another thing we have different, which uh, might be a little questionable, is I don't have the Cardinals in my top 10. I was going to bring that I, up. I, yeah. I, I wasn't trying to make a statement by that by any means. Uh, I just am not super uh, impressed by their current strength of schedule, their recent games they've played. Uh, just an absolute uh, destruction that they experienced at the hands of the Padres recently, losing 13-3. to uh, lost back-to-back versus the Padres, play them again tonight, Sunday Night Baseball. I think they really need to win that to gain some confidence against them, I'd say. Because that that almost you could see as like a, a wild card game, like a Padres versus oh, Cardinals. Oh, for sure, for super, sure. Super, super probable. We saw it last year. And it, yeah, if, yeah. That were, if that were to happen, you know, I think they want to win this game tonight to kind of prove that we're not going to get swept by this team that we might end up seeing in October. Um, they uh, have played Milwaukee recently, who's kind of skidding, uh, you know, back down to 500. And they play the Rockies in the last week or so as well. And the Rockies are a team who I see. If you swept the Rockies, yeah. I don't really count those wins in your record practically. No, yeah, exactly. Obviously, you can't, you know, they're still an MLB team. and They're still, you know, MLB players. But that the way that team is performing right now, if, if you if you kind of are inflating your win, your, your win total by sweeping the Rockies, I don't put a lot of stock into it. And they also lost a series to the Mets uh, a week or two ago. So yeah, I, I look at the Cardinals and I see their record and I say, okay, this team, they could win their division for sure. I just don't think uh, I have them as you know a top 10 team in the league just based on the teams that they've beaten and lost to in the last couple weeks. Uh, walk, walk me through what you think about the Cardinals. Cardinals for me, you know, winning the division series against, uh, you know, winning against the division team in, in the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, taking two of three from them. Um, I thought that was, you know, you know, very exceptional um, the way that, you know, kind of the teams kind of, you know, kind of gathering a lot of, you know, a lot of good wins lately here. 
Right now, I mean, I know we talk about record, but right now they are tied with the Padres for... It's funny, they're playing the Padres tonight, so the winner of that game will uh, be second place in the National League tonight. And so um, I find that very, you know, very good for the the Cardinals. I, I, you know, in some cases, people would probably say the Cardinals are in the top five, but of course, looking at all aspects of the power rankings, I have them in my top 10, but not my top five. But I think they have to be in the top 10 because they are, you know, one of one of the three teams right now in the NL uh, when we look at, you know, middle of May already, you know, close to what? I mean, 30 games, 35 games played already in the season. Um, and they're, you know, right there. Well, of course, we already saw them, you know, Cardinals were going to be a team that we definitely thought would be there in the end. And so they're kind of proving right now that they could not necessarily run away with the division, but they are showing that they are, you know, flexing their muscles. Certainly a threat in the division, but yeah. I, I kind of had to include them. I think that they show a lot more strength right now than the Phillies. The Phillies are the Phillies are interesting because they, they it's like they play good and then they also play poorly. Um, it's just, you know, they're kind of just, you know, for me, they're really unexpected what you're going to get. Um Cardinals, at least, I think I know with the Cardinals, you know the offense is always going to be there with Goldschmidt, Arenado, Molina, um, and some of the other young guys. So I had to have them in my top 10. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I do see the Cardinals being sort of a consistent presence. Um, That much makes a lot of sense to me. I like that point. I also want to kind of highlight the Blue Jays, who I had uh, in my nine spot, a team that I didn't expect to be on your top 10. Uh, I I wouldn't expect them to be on most people's top 10. I like how they've been lately. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is really proving to be an MVP caliber player if he can keep it up. Um, he's been super impressive thus far. The power, the contact, the walking. Mm-hmm. And at first base, I see some pretty impressive stretches from him. Yeah, uh, yeah. He has know, some flexibility over there. You know, switching from third to first was definitely the move for him. I think third base, he was definitely a defensive liability. You can kind of hide him at first, and he has the flexibility to kind of make up for, you know, maybe mm-hmm. some lack of quickness. And uh, I like what he's doing. Overall, like you said, uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Springer is a kind of guy who is almost MVP talk uh, automatically. Yep. Uh, yep. Year in, year out, in the last few years. Currently injured. When he gets back, I can see them really making a push in the division since right now they're currently sitting at third, I believe. Um, recently uh, took a series over Atlanta. The Blue Jays did. They did recently lose a series to Houston, but then took a series against uh, Oakland A's. So those are both teams that we have like in our top six or seven in the whole MLB. Uh, and the Blue Jays are performing favorably against teams like those. So I just kind of like what I'm seeing. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to be high on, I guess. Uh, I got them at, at, at nine. Travis, would you think they're like in the, your top 10 bubble? Were you even they thinking, were, thinking about them? They were, yeah, no, exactly. And that's, at least you brought them up because, of course, for me, they're probably number 11. They're right on the edge for making the top 10 uh, for me. And so, you know, it, it's definitely a team that fits there. The Mets, I just, I thought I had to put just because they have been clicking a little bit more than we than we thought, um, leading the NL uh, East, which, you know, very competitive, very strong division. And I think the leader of that division might always have to be, you know, in the top 10 just because of how competitive it is. And so definitely Toronto is right there. And, and of course, they're playing, you know, exceptional baseball. I, 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 had to, um, I had to include as well, you'll see kind of throughout the year that, they have had some series where they kind of just, you know, maybe they're not focused or maybe they're not just ready to play, but I feel like they come out and they lose to some, they, they play good against good teams, but then there are teams that they're expected to beat and they either, you know, split the series or they lose the series, maybe not come out, you know, as motivated as they do. But I know a couple weeks ago they had a great series against the uh, Oakland A's and beat them. And then, of course, I think it was this week they played uh, the Phillies as well and, and had a tremendous series against the Phillies. Right. So, the, um, the, they're a team I could see uh, being a huge 
a scary, I guess, opponent in a wild card game. No, yeah, a, yeah. A, a guy definitely. like a guy like Ryu being on the mound in a game like that, mm-hmm. super, super. You know, the last couple of seasons, an ERA just king, just absolutely yep. just keeping that number, uh, you know, low every, yep. every 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 start every week. Uh, and then the bats go without saying. Uh, Grichuk is putting together like one of his best years. He's been super impressive so Semyon far. Semyon has been Semyon, putting up good power numbers yeah, and stealing bases, and Vladdy Guerrero. And yeah. Bobuchet, yeah, and Teoscar Biggio, Hernandez, and Te- yeah, it's it, it's, and, a, it's and a big then, big threat. And if they can keep Springer healthy, then the lineup just looks You're absolutely loaded. Totally forgot about that. Ryu on the <laughs> Ryu on the mound in a wild card game, I think they could beat anybody for sure in the AL. To me, they're um, a lo- they're almost a lot deeper than some of those teams back in you know twenty fifteen or sixteen with Batista, Encarnacion, and Donaldson. Right, I feel like they they're have young a, right now. They and do. they're deep yeah. for sure. Back those teams, they had older guys that were kind of you know unlimited you know two or three years, and this guy would probably have to get rid of. As we saw with the Blue Jays, it really only had like a two to three year prime. But I think now with the Blue Jays being young, they have a, you know, fully loaded uh, lineup and roster ready to compete, you know, in this decade at least. And so um, it's good to see them moving forward. All right, Alex. And to kind of like round out the podcast like we do every week, we'll just talk a little bit about, you know, um, Angels Weekly, Angels, uh, you know, how they've been playing the past week. I know we kind of want to forget this week, (laughs) but today... Uh, this game the past afternoon was kind of a bright spot into, you know, summing up and ending our road game or our, our road series uh-huh. um, against the Red Sox and kind of our road trip that we've been, you know, doing for the past week against the Astros and now the Red Sox. But uh, moving forward, we are looking to, you know, play three games this week against the Cleveland Indians. Good news is Shane Bieber pitched today, so he will not even be considered to be pitching in the next series. Sweet. So we won't have to face him. Uh, and then, of course, on Thursday, we finished the two games against the Minnesota Twins that we didn't get to play about a month back when the whole uh, COVID outbreak happened with the Twins. So we got three against Indians, two against uh, Twins, same day. And then we have a nice little division series on Friday night, starting with the Oakland A's. So that'll be, of course, be a huge series. If we can, you know, if, if for some way we can go out and sweep the A's, I mean, that is a huge you know, bounce back it, series. It swings the division. It in a totally big way. swings it, and we are right back in it. And you know what? Even if this week we can come out and you know take two of three from the Indians, if we can, even if, you know, honestly, just taking one from the Twins, just doing one and one, because I know double headers, it's not yeah. very likely you're going to be able to sweep on double header days. And then if you go out and play really well against the A's, it could be a very big week for the Angels. For don't sure. don't want to say it's a it's a monumental season like weekend or week for the angels, but it almost, almost could be, it, it could have a huge impact it, if angels are able to get it together at the right time. Here. Exactly. Exactly. Getting, kinda, Rand- getting Rendon back in the lineup. Hopefully we can get Chris Rodriguez back in the bullpen very soon. If things kind of click this week, it could be, it could be impactful for sure. It could be. And hopefully, you know, with, with me, I hope with the message with Joe Madden is, you know, let's kind of leave everything that we've done behind all the, you know, pitching miscues, all that stuff today. We got, we got a win that, honestly, these are the kind of wins that, for me, start rallies. You're not expected to win. You have a crazy late game, last inning, two outs, home run from Shohei Otani, the X factor for the Angels this yeah. season. Comes through, gives Ex- the Angels the win. Exclamation point, uh, ninth inning for sure. Trout breaks his surprisingly 0-for-18 skid that he's been dealing with for the past couple games. And so gets a bloop single in the in the uh, top of the ninth. Shohei comes up, hits the two-run homer. This is kind of where the rally starts. This is where kind of you look back at a season and you might say that see that that hit, that inning really started the 
whole rally that pushed the Angels. I hope it happens. Yeah, Travis, we could be sitting here next week and laughing at this if the Angels don't turn it around. But like we both agree that you know there's some serious potential here. You know, playing other AL teams this week, teams we could see in a wild card race like the Indians, playing a team like the A's who will be a threat in the AL West. This definitely week has a lot of implications for the future of the season. Uh, I guess, Charles, one topic that I really wanted to dive into, I guess, is I guess the current uh, uh, the strategic approach that we're seeing from uh, manager Joe Madden. Uh, I think one thing that a lot of Angel fans have been upset about, and I even noticed uh, the announcers for the Angels today kind of talking about it, that like some of the bullpen choices have been very questionable uh, for Joe Madden. Uh, I want to highlight something that we actually saw, I believe it was Friday night. Uh, I really don't understand uh, the, the decision that was made in terms of bringing in Tony Watson, who, Travis, Tony Watson, despite giving up two runs uh, Friday night in just one inning of work, I believe, Tony Watson still has a 2.25 ERA. So mm-hmm. de- despite that bad outing, he's been one of our best relievers, our best lefty reliever for sure. Despite that, uh, I'm not sure why Madden chose to use him when he did. Angels bullpen has pretty much two lefties you can look at. You have Tony Watson and you have Alex Claudio. And the rest are all righties. Everyone else who we've used from the pen is pretty much a righty uh, on the whole. And so seeing that... Manager Joe Madden decided to use a left-handed reliever against the trio of Marwin Gonzalez into Hunter Renfro into Bobby Dalbeck. And the way that inning went completely made us lose the game. That one inning lost the game for us on Friday. And I want to walk you guys through uh, why I'm so confused by that decision. So I'm going to first look at Marwin Gonzalez, who is a switch hitter that in across his career is pretty much even versus lefties and righties. Last couple years, he's probably been a bit better versus lefties, but I'll just call it a wash, right? We can just say, okay, man, no big deal. Lefty versus Marwin Gonzalez, not a big deal. Hunter Renfro now, his entire career has been a significantly better versus left-handed pitching. The average versus righties in his career is 215. Against lefties, it's 261. The on-base is almost 100 points higher. It's, it's like 80 points higher against lefties. The OPS career is 907 versus lefties, which is like an all-star. He's like an all-star batter versus lefties against righties. It's 708. That's like league average probably. So the difference is drastic. And then talking about Bobby Dalbeck, we're talking about a young guy who has not played uh, you know, a wealth of games, but looking at his career splits, it's very, very striking as to why you would throw a lefty against him in a big inning. They put in Tony Watson, a lefty, against a guy who, against righties, a 184 batting average, a 287 on base, a 368 slugging. That's a 655 OPS. 655 OPS is well below league average. Against a left handed pitcher, he's a 1065 OPS guy. So, Travis, we're talking about. 350 points higher on the OPS scale against lefties. The difference is night and day. He's a 333 average guy against lefties, and the power is crazy. So do you agree with me that, the, this, I guess, Madden's decision to use a lefty against this trio of batters, it totally lost us the game. We have so many righties in our pen. Why not throw a righty against this trio? And, you know, if you get a big inning, that's, that, you know, that's just, they just were better than us. But I feel like we beat ourselves here. We put in a pitcher who... I think is one of our best lefties used them in the complete wrong spot and it really cost us the game. I do think that went that Friday lost. 
I'm kind of pinning it solely on Madden. I can't put that on Watson at all. We used him at the wrong time. I think it was a poor management of the bullpen. What do you think? No, I mean, 100% correct with that. I mean, when you're bringing all that kind of stuff up, all I can think of was, you know, I think Joe Madden should buy a copy of MLB The Show and, you know, maybe sit down and play that before the game because if you look at that, you will see Hunter Renfro, Bobby Dahlbeck, just murdering lefties. Yeah, they, Power numbers against lefties is these insane. Big, big righty dudes that you look at the numbers on baseball reference, You Angels have access to tons of uh, stats in their database. Or like Travis said, you can go boot up a video game. You could look anywhere and it'll tell you that these guys feast off lefties. And we're up, we, we have a clean inning, going into a clean inning, we pulled the starter, we, we put in a lefty against these guys. I just don't, I, there's a total brain fart in my mind. I, it would really cost us the game. So. Just, a, just a couple of kids from Whittier, California, and it's like, do we know the scouting report more than a guy that's been, you know, in the majors and been managing games that much longer? And it's, I, I, I mean, you look at Madden and you say, I mean, well, you, you're, you're a great manager. You took the Rays and the Cubs to the World Series. You know, you obviously don't know how to click the right buttons at the right time, but I mean, it it was just kind of like I just didn't know what he was thinking on that because it was you're playing in a place like Fenway, big righties. I mean, it doesn't take much to hit a home run at a Fenway, especially with that with with the Green Monster. Right, and then even today, Travis, we were watching the game for a bit. Uh, There's a part of the game where uh, Quintana, uh, starting pitcher for the Angels, really made Devers look foolish in 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 that bat. He threw a, a fastball middle middle. Devers swung and missed, whiffed it, and ended up on one knee. So he really kind of swung out of his shoes there, and ended up uh, th- that bat ended with a away fastball that Devers kind of kind of reached for, kind of did a little sword and just totally whiffed on it again. So Quintana really kind of showed up uh, Devers in the lefty lefty matchup. Then in the middle of the game, I believe it was the fifth inning, Quintana gets pulled in a situation where a righty's up to bat, but Devers is on the, in the on deck circle. And we put in uh, Sluggers, who is a you know six ten big righty, and he gives up, he gives up an an absolute tank to uh, Rafael Devers. And to me, another instance where the bullpen usage might not have been that good. Yes, Quintana was in traffic, and I understand why you might want to pull him there. But when our bullpen has not really been locked down this series, I don't know why you go to it in the fifth inning. No, exactly. Uh, especially because we know that okay, this righty batter might do a decently against Quintana, but we know Devers who's on deck just got fooled by him i believe they said it was his first time facing quintana uh, was this game so he doesn't he doesn't have like the you know the, the the download i guess he doesn't have you know quintana locked down by any means in terms of knowing like you know what he's going to do so i, I just kind of look at it as a lot of questionable decisions uh there's obviously hope for improvement there uh by madden i am just a little bit concerned i know that uh madden was probably Artie moreno's like you know one of his top picks to be the manager uh, going forward this decade. I do think that uh, general manager Perry Manassian, we saw with the Albert Pujols deal, uh, Perry Manassian is a guy who is going to try to get his vision. He's going to try to build this team the way he sees fit. And already with the whole Pujols uh, designated for assignment decision, it seems like Artie Moreno is ready to give Perry some control. So I really do wonder if the Angels can't switch this season around, just how much of the blame does Perry put on a guy like Joe Madden. Yeah. Um, Travis, mm-hmm. another thing that's been questionable is some of the batting orders we've seen uh, the last two days. I respect trying something different. The last six days, I just, I mean, they, 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 they've, some have been laughable. Some have been like, all oh, right, like that's a good lineup. But I will say most of them have just been kind of like, I, I, I don't know what you just smoked before making this lineup. Yeah. It, it is, it's very questionable. The, there was one day where it looked like a minor league 
lineup. He had Shoyo, Wednesday against the Astros. Yeah, had Shohei Otani leading and, off, and and uh, Jose Iglesias was also in the top half of the order. Yeah, seeing guys like Ward in the top four, um, you know, seeing uh, I think it was a, uh, a Shohei Ward, and then it was Walsh, and then Iglesias batting fourth, fourth. and then after it was Gonsolin, Jose Rojas. John Jay, maybe Juan Lagares. It, it was right. just kind of like a myriad of guys who are not. How do you expect to win with this tip, lineup? Typical tonight starters yeah. against the Houston Astros, right? And it's it's a scenario not where, the Pittsburgh Pirates, right, right, right. And not, not really not really a throw game, a throwaway game. We're playing a team that's in our division, and and you know, I I understand the concept of a rest game, and we had the off day the next day, so I just didn't really see the the, the reason for it, especially with a guy like uh, Rendon who was on the injured list at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Right now, Travis, where I'm at with it, I, I I respect trying something new in the last couple of days with Taylor Ward, a righty, was batting leadoff against a lefty starter. Today, we had Jose Rojas leading off a lefty against a righty starter. I do like he's using the platoon advantage. And he, Trout batting second, Otani batting third. You I know, do. It I, seemed to have worked because I, Trout I, got on for Otani. I am big on the Trout before Otani. I am big on the Trout two-hole. Such a good walker. And then Otani not a good walker at all, so he could be the guy driving in Mike Trout. Great power bat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like some of the changes. I I will say that, that that platooning he did in the first spot makes some sense. Something the Dodgers have been known to do. Something the Rays have been known to do. Some good teams that make deep postseason runs are known to kind of use the correct bat in the favorable favorable matchup. But uh, you know Taylor Ward and Jose Rojas is not the same as like you know. Jock Peterson and you know whoever else the Dodgers are using to platoon no, it, AJ Pollock. So um, you know I think a long term option to bat leadoff uh, they should go in a different direction. I'm okay with Fletcher batting ninth for now because he's clearly slumping. He's in a spot where he's having mm-hmm. a career low walk rate, a career high strikeout rate. The average is low. I do think it'll continue to rise because Travis, we watch the games. He's lining up to the infielders left and yeah, right. Yeah. He's hitting hard grounders left and right, what you right to guys. Yeah. I think he's had some bad uh, luck in terms of balls in play. Um, I, I expect to see some improvement. But either way, a defensive, just absolute, just juggernaut, just an absolute beast. Second base uh, has it locked down, can shift the shortstop and be well above average there. A really great defender. I, I He needs to be playing all the time, every, every day. day yeah. And if he's the nine-hole guy, that's fine with me. If we can figure out another leadoff option. I like having a guy who walks a lot in the leadoff spot. So I could see a guy like Rendon. I could see a guy like even Jared Walsh, as surprising as it might sound. Um, you know, maybe not the traditional choices, but I do think that we need to find an option that's not Taylor Ward and Jose Rojas. Um, <laughs> I think you would agree with that. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. What are your current thoughts on the Angels, Travis? What else is going on in the Angels world? Yeah, I mean, you pointed it out. I mean, the, what's apparent is the pitching staff, and what's apparent is the bullpen. Um, it's. I feel like it's been kind of that way for the past... Three, How many years four, has it been? Four, five, six, you know, just it, it's been the problem. And so it's definitely a thing that we always, I feel like, we're always running into the same problem. Um, I think, you know, the, pa- the past week we've had a little bit of an offensive, you know, uh, dry up. spell. Yeah, for sure. And so I think, of course, that'll get picked up again. That, that'll, that'll, that'll be good. You know, Angels' offense is, is used to scoring five runs a game. But the only thing is the pitching staff is used to giving up six runs a game. So we'll lose the game that way. But, you know, it's just it boils down to, you know, Madden making the right decisions when it comes to, you know, late, um, late innings and late situations like Friday night. You can't bring in Watson, a lefty when you face Renfro and Dahlbeck. It's just it, it's just common sense almost. And especially if you're looking at the numbers, why would you do that? He's not 
Josh Hader, where yeah. that doesn't apply because Josh Hader is a freak and he'll he'll yeah. strike he, out anyone. He's not your guy. He he. Tony Austin's a tool for us. He's not our guy that's going to shut down exactly any batter. But. Exactly. And then also, you know, even playing against the Astros, were you know, you you you, you we have a chance to win the series, and you kind of run out that lineup. Now I know guys need rest, but what was really concerning for me was that he he you know he rested Trout. I think he rested Upton, and he rested maybe maybe Fletcher. Fletcher, yeah. Fletcher as well. He rested those guys. And then we go to Boston, and then an article comes out saying, oh, you know, Shohei's going to miss his next start because he's actually had a little bit of fatigue. You know, he hasn't had rest. He hasn't actually sat a day this he's year. He's not missed a game played this season yet. And it's like, so you rested everyone but Shohei the day after he pitched on Wednesday against the Astros, and then you're saying, oh, but he's going to miss his next start because we kind of need to rest him a little bit. It just didn't make any sense because I was just thinking, well, then why don't you rest him on Wednesday and just go complete AAA lineup mode? You know, yeah. it's like he was the only traditional I, starter out I there just, along I with. Uh, I didn't understand that. It was just kind of like, you know, uh, why, first off, why are, we, why are we giving up series? It, it's concerning. But you know what? I mean, I, seasons, of course, still young. We still have a lot of, you know, a lot of games to play We're we're not even, you know. We're not even, I think, a quarter of the season way in yet. I think we're still got some time, but you know, you just got to fix some things. Some guys got to got to get better, and I think some of the decisions got to be better, of course, as well. And hopefully, we can see that um, happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, by end of May, we're you know a completely different ball club, and we kind of get those struggles. You know, the struggles are done early in the season, then in late in the season. Look back in 2019, Nationals were doing like this and possibly worse, and so. They came back to, you know, have a crazy second half, you know, win the World Series that year. So right, we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, like you said, se- uh, season is young, still lots of time. Angels have had some injury list problems, absolutely. Rendon has had two different IL stints. Uh, Max Stassi has had two different IL stints as well that have really hurt the Angels. I kind of want to stay there for a minute, Travis. We both are fans of Stassi. We think he is not only a great defensive catcher, He's he's well known for his framing being very elite. That's something that Travis we both agree raises the floor and the ceiling no, exactly. of a starting rotation. When your rotation is like the Angels, where you kind of hope the Angels can be like a top you know top half top fifteen rotation in the league. If that's the case, our bats can carry the rest, right? But and if, if Stassi was batting one hundred and was just awful at hitting, but he was a Pudge Rodriguez behind the plate, I am more than fine with that. Right, the catcher. If, I I just care about your defense. If, if if he is raising the production of the pitching, then that completely uh, helps us. You know, the value there is unspeakable. It, it does so much for for the team's success. But recently, we both have been very you know concerned and questioning of I guess Kurt Suzuki and how he's currently playing with Stassi out. Suzuki being that catcher one uh, has really just not been. Uh, successful for us at all uh, currently a 64 OPS plus with the bat a 193 batting average 299 on base 281 slugging all those numbers you know below average not not really what we want to see at all um, and like we said we prefer defense to offense definitely but the offense isn't there and we know Travis for sure the defense is not there if you just watch uh, Kurt Suzuki out there uh, trying to trying to catch for a pitcher I've seen Shoei Otani throw strikes right in the corner of the zone. A heater, a, a, a 95, 98 mile an hour fastball, you know, blown away. I'll see Suzuki catch it, and the glove drags away from the zone, and the count instead of being one and two is now two and one, in 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 a, in a big inning where there's men on base. Like that one pitch could have changed so much. You got to frame that. You got to at least hold your gloves still. So stuff like that. I think a lot of the small things really kind of tell me. 
that Suzuki is sort of a problem right now. Um, you know, there's maybe some hope for some correction, but I hope that the Angels kind of look inward and kind of say, how can we improve this? He currently has a, actually a negative 0.6 war this season, Suzuki. The season's mm-hmm. still young. Mm-hmm. Negative 0.6 already. He's like on a trend to be like, you know, negative one, negative two war yeah, He's on our pools trend Th- right now. That's not good, Travis. And if we, if our catcher is putting up that, you know, that's that hurts us in, in more ways than one. It hurts our lineup. It hurts our pitching staff. It hurts our defense as a whole. Um, what do you think about that catching catching conversation? No, yeah, you're completely right with that. And, you know, Stassi, I think, is a great catcher. And I think that he is a, he is a great... Um, a great, you know, great starting catcher, if not also a great backup catcher. If, if Angels were to get or develop, you know, a, a more, you know, all around, you know, almost like JT Realmuto catcher. If you had a guy that just had great speed, great power, and and had really superb catching. But to me, like I said, I think the Angels a couple. I think it was 2017 or 18 when we had uh, Marty Maldonado and he won the Gold Glove. I think he won the Platinum Glove behind the plate. It just was so reassuring having a, a total, you know, defensive. Uh, you know, minded catcher behind the plate because that's just like you said. It's only gonna it's only gonna affect and you know help the pitching staff, and that's what the Angels truly need. You need a battery mate that can actually go out there, help the pitchers with certain decisions, and actually, like you said, frame pitches. If there's pitches on the corners, we need those. There, I think there was a play in the, today's game where it was late in the ball game and Suzuki didn't frame it, and I think we ended up striking out one of the Red Sox players. But I was thinking, holy cow, what if that guy walks and then they hit a walk off or something like that, and it's just right. like. That could be looked at as a as a as a serious reason for the loss, as of some other things as well. But it's just right. like it's never one guy's fault, but one little improvement by the catcher uh, can completely change an inning, which could also change a game. In Especially term. when it's that late in the ball game, you think you oh, should yeah. be like looking at you know framing almost everything. But you know you definitely see the difference when it comes to uh, defensive you know catching Stassi between Kurt Suzuki. But yeah, yeah, and. and- I think I think it is it is pretty uh, clear to even even just the you know the the casual viewer that Suzuki you know there are pitchers in the strike zone that end up getting called balls and you know I can't blame that on our pitchers I think our no. pitchers are I think our starting pitching is their numbers are worse than what they're actually doing right now their numbers are pretty poor if you look at ERA we're one of the worst ERA teams in baseball I think that with a better backstop defensively as well as uh, an increase with defense which we've already seen with the pools uh being released that's already helping our defense uh, from the get-go mm-hmm. if we can get rendon healthy his third base glove is uh well above average mm-hmm. and then of mm-hmm. course our middle infield is is overall very solid as well i think the defensive uh, improvement as well as a catching improvement will only help our starting pitching eras go go down and i think angels can make a push with some small tweaks to their lineup i think the first place to look is the catcher spot um that's where i'm at with that a- anything else with the angels travis no, nothing too much else. I mean, like I said earlier, when we were talking about them, it just that this week can be a, um, a big step in, you know, making or breaking our season. So I think that, you know, at least putting everything else behind, we're still, you know, we're still in contention. The season's not done. This is, of course, a big, a big week for us. And of course, this weekend playing the Oakland A's, it's going to be, you know, a huge step in, in the direction we want to take. So Right. Charles, um, one thing I'll let you touch up on as we wrap it up here on the Angels, um, one, I guess, little ray of hope in the, for the future. Charles, what are what are what are uh, what are Joe Adele and Brandon Mars doing in in AAA right now? Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Tearing it up. I yeah. mean, AAA season, minor league season. I think it started about a week and a half ago, if not two weeks ago. But uh, it's great to see that back on schedule because last year, of course, it was just totally fully canceled. So. Which you know, probably hurt a lot of young guys' development. Yeah, I mean, I mean, player development was just shut down. I know guys like you know Mackenzie Gore for the for the Padres. I mean, he was he was 
looked at to come up last season, probably midway through in July or August, middle of the season after the All-Star break, you know, didn't get a shot. Might I think he maybe pitched a little bit of relief, but I'm not quite sure. Then this season, of course, he's still, you know, working his way through AAA. And, you know, some guys, they already could have had, you know, MLB roster jobs right now, but they're still fighting their way up to get to the spot. Same thing with um, Rauschman of the uh, Orioles, yep. you know, still having to stay in the minors. Um, Wander Franco for the Tampa Bay Rays still having to kind of make his way through the minors. These guys should be up already. They should have a whole year of AAA under their belt right now. They don't they have should. that. And same thing with uh, Marsh and Adele. Adele came up way too quickly, just did not provide to be a good player for the Angels last year. And so, you know, having him and Marsh, I feel like those two guys are brothers and they're going to be great, you know, culture uh, organization guys having them kind of right now, you know, absolutely just tearing it up, having fun, you know, loving playing with each other right now in AAA. Um, it's exciting. I mean, looking at that corner outfield spot, those are two corner outfield spots for the Angels right now that will be needed to be filled in the next year. And having those two young guys paired with the best player in baseball, one of the best center fielders of all time, that's just going to be, you know, a crazy uh, trio, mentor yeah, right. to look at. Yeah, that trio out there that we could see in the next year or two of Trout and Center, and then Adele and Marsh manning the corners. Adele and Marsh, you got a lefty and you got a righty who are both hitting great in AAA, both are supposed to be above average fielders. Uh, if, if we see them kind of continue that into the into the the big leagues, you know, I think the sky's the limit. Uh, they've been impressive so far. I did see, uh, I think I believe it was uh, Brandon Marsh's first AAA game this year. He went, I think, was it like two for four? He got on base like four times, hit a home run. Triple. I, yeah, and, I think he almost had a cycle was opening his first first night. And then he, he hit a triple when Adele drove him in on a home run. And Adele's power has been so far unbelievable right and now. Travis, I'll give you credit on something. You've been saying that Adele needs to remove the leg kick from his swing. And what did he do? I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring that up too. But I know most people won't believe me. But I've been saying that for probably the last year, if not, uh, you know, since his struggles of last season. Looking at most minor leaguers, looking at most players, you definitely do see kind of an evolution, a transition through their career in batting stances, especially when they're young and then their first kind of breakout seasons, you do see things that get changed. Every baseball player has them. You always have a kind of a, a different strategy or a different uh, look when you go to, you know, a new batting stance. But the one thing I saw from Joe Adele was this big, you know, Alex Rodriguez leg kick. And some players can do it. Some players can't. You saw him transition now into kind of this little toe tap where he kind of puts his toe out in front, you know, has a lot more of a balanced swing. It's funny. You look at him right now and it's really, really nice to see. But I swear, I, I feel like I'm watching Fernando Tatis Jr. His swing looks so much like Tatis Jr. And if, I can, if we can have the same offense, then I'm going to be really happy. Well, but, then that's something special. But, I mean, it's really, it's almost scary. They have the same exact swing. They exactly look the same because they're tall, skinny guys. And so, you know, it's nice to see that. It's nice to see Marsh, kind of the caveman guy look, uh, you know, scruffy, almost almost like the uh, the Chuck Nasty, Charlie Blackman look. Right. But uh, having that, that, that lefty power bat is going to be really nice. And his arm, his defense is, you know, exceptional right now, at least in the minor league level. But, you know, it is really fun and really cool to see these guys, you know, transitioning up. And I think I told you this a couple of days ago, but hopefully maybe we can see these guys be maybe like August, late August, September call-ups, depending on how we look at the season, how we're doing. Maybe if guys get injured on our team, we can see these guys coming up. But yeah, e yeah. E either if we're trying to make a late push or if we're just completely out of it, you can see both those scenarios as times where, okay, 
Maybe it's time to give Joe, Adele, and Brandon Marsh some reps that could be maybe valuable in a postseason push. Mm-hmm. Or if we're completely out of it and we just want to get them some empty reps, that would be great too. Exactly. You know, no reason to use Upton and, and you know, whoever else in right field like Lagares. If, if, exactly. we're, if we're just interested in, in building for the next season, let's get those guys some reps so they can be ready for a 2022 a starting job pretty much so. exactly 2022 i think is a definite goal for the angels to be starting to get all those young guys chris rodriguez detmers adele uh marsh and i think also maybe even jordan adams jordan adams might take a little bit longer but that's fine um but get those four core guys you know up to the majors and you know starting to kind of help that team out and then of course have that you know almost have that those roster spots filled for the next decade you know yeah that way we can have chris rodriguez who's been exceptional so good so far he can start you know rounding out into that starting pitcher role and also detmers having that big lefty arm um big you know almost big curveball slider that he throws um kershaw like almost and so um it you know it should be exciting and i'm hoping these guys can definitely you know make the push so we can actually get these guys up and you know we can start you know having that kind of that veteran but also young uh young roster and of course also free agency um we need a shortstop. <laughs> we need a shortstop. It'd be nice to add some pitching. We're going to lose some pitching in free agency if we don't extend Bundy, Heaney, or both. Uh, so, yeah, lots of room to grow uh, going into next season. But those youngsters, uh, that young core, will definitely have a huge impact on the Angels next decade of decade, plus, you know, five, ten years plus. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode, Travis. Are we about done here? I think we're about done. It's five o'clock. Let's go. Let's go watch some Padres and some St. Louis Cardinals. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. As always, we appreciate the support. Uh, this is the Two Tool signing off for today. Thank you. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>